Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Father, you placed this message on my heart and you confirmed this message in multiple ways this morning before and during the pre-service prayer time. Thank you for that. And now I just yield myself to Holy Spirit. Empower me to speak the word of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that every person in this room, that you'll prepare their heart. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will make the word of God to be living and powerful and like that sharp two-edged sword to pierce their heart in Jesus' name. And we thank you, mighty God. Yeah, hear an amen? Amen. 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 Authentic, true disciples are facing great challenges in the uh, American postmodern culture. We, uh, We are watching is whether they're uh, senior adults, whether they're middle school, high school, they're all facing tremendous challenges in living out being an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ in this generation. Truth is relative. Whatever philosophy, whatever moral beliefs an individual has, that is what is truth, what is truth to them. Christianity is being taught as being an evil and a violent religion, a hateful religion. Even high percentage of those who attend a Christian church regularly now believe that there are many ways to get to heaven. Sex is expected now in dating and in many times even on the first date. Boys and men are dressing up like Girls and girls and women are behaving like boys. The LGBTQ plus, and put all the letters of the alphabet after that, is no longer just acceptable behavior, but now it is being taught and is believed that They are that way from the womb, no matter what the biological may show them to be. It's it's and and if you if you take a contrary stance to any of these systems and any of these beliefs, 
then you're marginalized. You very well may lose a scholarship opportunity. You, you will be passed over in promotions. You may lose your job. And you may even go to jail. But I want you to understand the first disciples, the disciples of the New Testament faced a very similar culture in the Roman Empire. Do you remember when when Pilate was standing before Jesus and Jesus had said to him, "You, you can only do to me what's permitted because I'm here to represent my father's kingdom and truth. And what did Pilate say to him? Pilate looked him in the eye and said, what is truth? And turned and walked off. Because truth was relative then like it is now. The Roman culture had many gods. They worshiped Caesar. They worshiped Diana. They worshiped Jupiter. They worshiped Mars. That's just to name a few. But Christianity coming in and declaring there's only one way to heaven, that became very disliked in the culture. Immorality was just commonplace. It was expected that a married man would have extramarital affairs and sexual relations. It was commonplace for men to visit male prostitutes and for women to be involved in lesbian relationships. That was commonplace in the Roman Empire. What I'm wanting you to see is they were facing very similar pressures that we're facing right now in our culture. So that that begs the question, why would Jesus Christ pick that time to plant his church, to build his church? Why didn't he pick during the time of Josiah or Hezekiah when there was great spiritual revival? Build your church then, right? Why do you pick one of the most ungodly cultures in the history and violent Do you remember how they would go to the gladiatorial games and just cheer? And the more there was blood, the more they would cheer. They would go to parties and they would eat and drink alcohol until they were sick. They would go outside and vomit and come back in and eat again until they were sick. Go out and vomit, come back, eat again. You just go, really? Wow, what a culture, right? Why would Jesus pick that time? Well, he told us in Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, when he said, upon this rock I'll build my church. Listen, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Behold, I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus Christ picked that time to build his church 
because his church was going to have the authority and the power to crush the gates of hell and to plunder hell to populate heaven. The church was going to have the authority to confront the powers of darkness and bind them. They were going to have the authority to loose the people that were in prison to the powers of darkness and bring them into the liberty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, I'm going to build my church now because it is so evil and wicked now. My church will shine like the bright beacon I've meant for it to be because my church is going to be a city sat on a hill. Amen. Amen. But he also knew that the church wouldn't be able to do that in their own strength. It was kind of like, do you remember... The children of Israel were on the east bank of the Jordan River, what we would know today as Jordan. Moses had gone to the top of Mount Nebo and been loved to death by God. He selected Joshua to be the next commander-in-chief and leader of the nation of Israel. But God knew that Joshua was facing a very intimidating and fearful time. In the land they were going to conquer was a heavy population of the Nephilim, the giants. And and these men were anywhere from 8 foot tall to 12 foot tall. Like there, was, there was one giant that had already been defeated, King Og. We really don't know. I mean, that guy was, was, was really a giant. Joshua was going to have to lead people that were very fickle. Do you remember? One time they're going, yes, Lord, we'll obey it. You got it. I want to go back to Egypt. You know, I mean, they were very fickle. And so, and so he's, he's got to lead a group of rebellious, stubborn, stiff-necked people that struggle with faith. And he's got to go face this land that is filled with these gent- That can be very intimidating. Plus, he's got to fill the shoes of Moses. How do you fill the shoes of Moses? No one can do that. Amen. Not in their own human strength. And so what did God say to him? In Joshua 9, God said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua was able to go in and conquer the land and be victorious against Crazy odds because the Lord God was with him wherever he went. And Jesus said the same thing to you and to me. He has said to his church, look, you can do this. This is what he said to us in John 16, verses 5 to 8. I love this passage. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. 
Now, before he said that, he said, now look, I know you're sorrowful because I'm going away. I know you're really, really sad because I'm leaving you and I'm going back to the Father. But this is what he said. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. I like how it says it in the, in the old King James. It says, it is expedient for you that I go away. See your advantage. Why? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. What's Jesus saying? Look, I know you can't do this in your own strength. I know you can't do this in your own power. But I'm going back to Heavenly Father, and I am changing everything in the economy of God and his kingdom. Up till now, it has only been the select few. It has only been those who had a special calling upon their life. They would have the Holy Spirit come upon them. Like Moses, like Joshua, like Samson, like Elijah, like Elisha. Just those special people. And the Holy Spirit would come in measure. But do you remember what the prophet Joel prophesied? There's going to come a time when I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Jesus is saying to them, look, I know you can't be my church. You can't crush the gates of hell. You can't use the authority of the kingdom of Almighty God in your own strength, in your own power, in your own authority. You cannot be what I've meant for you to be. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going back to Father. He's going to send you the Holy Spirit. He will be your helper, and you will be able to do everything I have commanded my church to do. Holy Spirit, he's first our helper. He's our paraclete. He's our paraclete, our helper. In the Greek, it literally means to be that one who goes along beside you and walks with you. He's that one that is your advocate when you're under condemnation, when you're under legal attack. He is going to be your helper. And Jesus said to us, he's going to be your helper because he's going to what? First of all, he's going to be your teacher. He's going to be the one that will teach you everything that I have said, and he's going to help you remember it. If you're having trouble remembering God's word, you need to pray and say, Holy Spirit, would you please come help me remember? Because Jesus promised that you would bring all things to my remembrance. Holy Spirit, I'm calling on you for that right now. Not only said that he would be your teacher, he would be your source of peace. Your peace. That's a part, Jesus said, I'm going to give you my peace, not as the world gives. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit, peace. That is that inner tranquility. No matter what's going on, storms may be going on around you, but in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions, you have this divine peace. He's your joy. He's your joy. Holy Spirit's your source of joy. Joy is not like happiness. Happiness is completely dependent upon circumstances and events. Joy is that inner fountain of good that just flows in us 
regardless of what's going on. It doesn't have to have that. In fact, you can be going through some really tough, tough times, but you've got this inner joy that just bubbles up and fountains up and gives you just a, a sense of well-being inside. Amen? Joy. Joy. He's your source of love. He's your source of love. God is love. Holy Spirit's your source of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Holy Spirit will flood you with God kind of love. In circumstances that is not lovely, dealing with people who are not lovely, Come on, we all have an Uncle George, right? Just, I'm not thinking of anybody particular when I say George. That's just the name off the top of my head. But we all have those. We all have neighbors that you wish, could we build a concrete wall four feet thick and 20 feet high, you know? all have neighbors. So you deal. But listen, Holy Spirit in you will give you God kind of love that will see their worth and value that they don't see in themselves. That will be able to bless your enemies. You'll be able to do good to those who persecute you. You'll be able to speak good to those that speak evil of you. Come on, amen? God kind of love. He helps us to know the truth. When we get confused, he said he will guide you into all truth. He will help us know the truth in those times when we're, when we're confused. We're not certain what we should do. We're not certain how to handle this situation. We're just not certain what's going on. And so you wait and Holy Spirit will give you a word of knowledge or he'll give you discernment of spirit. Or he will give you a word of wisdom and he will help you to know what to do. He will help you to know the truth in that situation. Come on, amen? amen. Holy Spirit, he's our helper. He's our guide. Amen. Holy Spirit will convict you of sin. A sinful attitude. Sinful words on your mouth. Sinful behavior. Come on, Holy Spirit will just speak to you and say, really, is that really what you ought to be saying right now? And you will go, I just went, they just make me so mad. And Holy Spirit will just remind you. You don't have to let anyone make you feel that way. See, if you're letting someone make you feel fearful, make you feel intimidated, make you feel angry, make you feel controlled, make you feel manipulated, if you're letting someone do that, you need to stop. You got Holy Spirit inside of you. You don't let people do that to you. It doesn't matter what they behave inside of you. You have Holy Spirit that helps you to have all of these qualities in your life. And he will convict you of sin. I am so thankful. Holy Spirit helped me so much. When I first got saved, I had the worst mouth. It was so foul. So, um, I just had the worst words. And they just would come out. And, and 
I knew they were wrong. And finally, I said, God, you got to help me because I, I can't do this. And I really felt impressed to pray, Lord, if I use those words, you just make me feel so bad that I feel like I'm lower than dirt. And I'm telling you, the next time I dropped an F-bomb, Holy Spirit just went, and I went, man, I don't want to do that again. And it wasn't very long before my mouth cleaned up. Holy Spirit, help me. Because Holy Spirit wants to enable you to walk in purity. Come on, amen. He's Holy Spirit. That's his very nature. And he wants to help you have that as your nature. Holy Spirit. But he's not only our paraclete, our helper. Holy Spirit is our source of power. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Now, may I remind you, Ephesus was the center of the worship of the goddess Diana, one of the seven wonders of the world. The temple of the goddess Diana was there. Boy, I got to tell you, that's not a thing you want to go see. Both male and female prostitutes, it was so wicked. It was so evil. It was so filled with impurity and moral vileness. And yet it was, it was the wonder. And remember when Paul first went there, he brought such a revival they, they, that, that he had to leave town. They were going to kill him, remember? Because, they, because they, they were impacting that. And so he's writing to the believers at Ephesus. And in the third chapter, in verse 16, he says to them, this is my prayer for you, that you will be strengthened with all might by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. Holy Spirit inside of you, giving you a supernatural power, a source of power that comes from heaven itself by way of Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, and that you be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow, yes, Lord, grant that to us. Jesus was commissioning his church, and he was going to be sending out his church. But before he sent them out, he said, but listen, this is in Luke 24, 49. He said, but listen, don't go do anything. He said, behold, I will send the promise of the Father upon you. But wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And literally, the word endued there is the word for being clothed, to put on a garment. You're going to put on a garment of power. In Acts 1 and 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Almighty God is saying to you, my Holy Spirit in you will be your source of power. The Greek word is dunamis. We get the word dynamite from it. God literally fills your life with divine, holy dynamite. He makes you a spiritual superhero. Yeah. You don't look very happy about that. Holy Spirit in you, 
might and power, the ability to stand, listen, the ability to stand before the powers of darkness and not be intimidated. We were planting a new church in Lacey, Washington. We had leased a home. We had moved out of the parsonage of the church we had been pastoring, and we leased a home to live in to do this church plant. We hadn't been there but just a short time when in the middle of the night, I woke up and realized there was something in the house. Wanda was asleep. The three kids were asleep. But I was aware that there was a power of darkness in the house. And I was aware that one of them was standing right beside me, snarling at me. And I got up, I slipped out of the bedroom so I wouldn't wake up Wanda. And that spirit went with me and in the living room said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your family. Man, I tell you, a holy boldness came in me. I said, no, you can't. Not just you won't, you can't. And I began taking the authority of Jesus' name. What a powerful name it is. I began taking the authority of Jesus' name. And it took a while. I don't know how long I was there. Felt like forever. Probably wasn't. But I just, I just took the authority of Jesus' name. And pretty soon, literally, without anyone, I looked and the door opened and closed and out one went. And then I rebuked another one and and. The door opened, those, those demonic, I don't know why they used the door. <laughs> they don't have to. I think God was wanting me to know they're going. As if my spirit wouldn't have discerned that. But I cleansed that house. The next day, I walked the four corners of the property and we anointed the house in the name of Jesus, this house is under the canopy of God's glory and it's under the authority and protection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, amen? amen. See, God wants you to know. He's given you power. Power to stand against the forces of darkness. You do not have to live with condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. By the way, that's going to be our study of the book of Hebrews on Wednesday nights. God wants you living in supernatural power and authority. You don't have to put up with the enemy beating you up all the time, feeling like you're lower than anything. Almighty God has made you a king and a priest to Almighty God. You are royalty. You are above only and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. But you can only walk in that kind of a life when you have the power of the Holy Spirit enabling you to do that from the inside out. Yeah. 
Amen? So how do you receive that power? By the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again and you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the token that you're now a covenant child of Almighty God is your water baptism. That's your token, kind of like wearing the wedding band. That's your token that you're now a one-woman man, a one-man woman. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you'll have no other gods before you. The token of your covenant with Almighty God is your water baptism. They immerse you beneath the water and lift you out. Amen? Amen. But there's another baptism that is spoken of in Scripture that Almighty God has for you. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is where the Lord Jesus Christ immerses you into the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't lift you out. (laughs) He wants you saturated with Holy Spirit. It's interesting because the very Greek word baptizo, from which our word baptism is a transliteration, baptizo was used in the dyeing of a garment. They would take a garment and they would put it in a vat of dye and they would keep it immersed until every fiber of that cloth was saturated with the dye and then they would lift it out. Jesus Christ wants to saturate you in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to saturate your life so that every fiber of your being is under the power of the Holy Spirit. It was also used in the making of swords. They would take the metal and they would fire it and hammer it. And after hammering it, they would baptize it in a vat of oil. Then bring it out and they would fire it and then hammer it and then baptize it in the vat of oil. They were tempering that metal so that it was hardened. It was strong. It could endure conflict. It could endure battle. And the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit so that you have the strength and the metal to be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil, against all the attacks of the enemy, against everything that comes against you. You stand victorious because in Jesus Christ you are more than a conqueror. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. He wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And the initial evidence of that baptism, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God wants to give you a heavenly language, a spiritual language. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 48, Peter has gone to the house of Cornelius, a Roman soldier. For the first time, the gospel is going to Gentiles. And they're at Cornelius' house as he's preaching. They're all born again, and they're all baptized in the Holy Spirit. And verses 44 to 48, Peter says, Can anyone forbid these to be baptized in water who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? For we have heard them speak in other tongues. In Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7, the apostle Paul 
comes across a group of disciples of John the Baptist. And they are still following the teachings of John the Baptist. And he teaches them more clearly in the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he asks them an important question. An important question I'm asking you this morning. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And they said, we've not heard of Holy Spirit. He said, to what baptism were you baptized? The baptism of John. So he instructed them, and he baptized them in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he laid hands on them, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it says they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Yes. Amen. There's one other place, Acts chapter 8. Philip, the deacon, has become Philip the evangelist. And he's gone north into Samaria and he's having a great revival in Samaria and the scripture says that the whole city was filled with joy because they had all come to salvation and there were healings and there were miracles and it says they were all baptized but they had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so Peter and John come north and they start praying for them and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit it is that is the only place in Scripture that doesn't specifically say they spoke in tongues. But what it does say is that there was such a mighty revelation of power that a warlock says, I'll buy that. Will you sell that to me? And Peter looks at him and says, you're perishing, man. You are done. You are spoke. That's my translation. And, he, and the guy repented. Now, I, I hear people point to that scripture and say, see there, you don't have to speak in tongues to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. My question to them is, why do you take the exception and make that the rule? Instead of looking, well, something obviously happened, and everywhere else when it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Let's, let, let, let's take the, the whole of scripture, Amen. Because that is God's gift to you. There is no substitute for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit was never meant to be optional equipment for an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ. It just was never meant to be optional. And yet in this generation in the church, it's like it's, well, yeah, I, no, I haven't received that yet. Just kind of taking it casual. But Jesus made it a command. He commanded the first disciples, you don't go do anything until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John truly baptized with water, but you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. When the, when the gospel first went to the Gentiles, they were automatically baptized in the Holy Spirit because Almighty God understood that they were going to become the first that's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul, when he received Jesus as Messiah, he was also baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all because he was going to be the lead apostle to take the gospel to the Gentiles. You see, baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues was disciple normal in the New Testament. 
And I want to tell you, the further we go in this postmodern culture, the further we go in this antichrist culture, in this sexualized culture, the further we go into being controlled by the powers of darkness, the more important it is for every disciple of Jesus Christ to be baptized in the Holy Spirit so they have that power in them flowing out of them. It's critical to your walk with Jesus. It's not optional. It's the great necessity for your life. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.